is White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Welcome to White Sox Weekly. Happy Saturday afternoon to you. I'm Connor McKnight. 312-332-3776. It's the most important number for White Sox fans on any given Saturday. Whether I'm here or Tyler Aki's here or Jesse Rogers is here, that is your number, your access pass to Talking White Sox Baseball here on the home for the White Sox, ESPN 1000's Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. we got the pregame show coming up in two hours. It's a 2.30 start for our pregame show. 3.05 first pitch for the White Sox and Giants. We are expecting a good pitching matchup today, too. Dylan Cease for the White Sox. Don't need to tell you about how good he's been. I will later in the show, but I don't need to because it's been evident with how well Dylan Cease has pitched. And Logan Webb for the Giants. He has been very, very good as well. Last night's game was a pitcher's duel for sure. one nothing. a White Sox winner. Leury Garcia had the hit in the night that put the White Sox up one to nothing. They held on with Kendall Graveman recording the save. And Tanner Banks got the first win of his major league career. So congrats to Tanner. And for that matter, congrats to Leury too. It's been a tough start to the season for him. A very tough start, but he came through with a big knock last night and got the White Sox their 36th win of the season. They are three games under 500, 36 and 39. The Giants are 40 and 36. We'll talk a little bit about the game that's coming up this afternoon today. We'll talk about last night's game a little bit. News and notes on the White Sox as well. Josh Harrison is our scheduled guest this afternoon. Not exactly sure what time Josh is going to join us, but we're on from 1230 to 230. And as soon as we've got a time from the White Sox clubhouse on what time Josh is going to join, we'll let you know uh, workouts and hitting and all that kind of, you know, training, all that stuff is going on in San Francisco right now. So Josh is going through those things and we'll take a few minutes to join us later on in the show. Also, we're going to talk a lot today about an interview on ESPN.com. Don Van Nata Jr., you've probably heard some of the sports talk radio stations and programs uh, here on our station, the flagship ESPN 1000, talking about this interview and about kind of the state of baseball. Don Van Nata Jr. had an interview, uh, a lengthy one, a series of interviews with Commissioner Rob Manfred. And in that long piece, it's recommended reading here on White Sox Weekly. Go take a look at it. In that Manfred talked about the future of baseball, the upcoming changes to the game. And for the very first time, or at least for the most in the most concrete way and for the first time, Manfred began to talk about the expected timelines for those rules changes and exactly what this game is going to look like next year, the year after that, and in years to come. I, I think it's really interesting. And as you know, the way major league baseball kind of governs the game directly affects the white Sox and every other team in it all of the other 29 teams and who knows maybe soon to be 31 other teams we'll talk about what that will mean for the sport coming up but i want to dig into last night's game before we get too far down the road 
By the way, don't miss your chance to see world-renowned EDM artist Cascade perform at Guaranteed Rate Field on Friday, August 12th. The seven-time Grammy nominee and Chicago native will play a post-game concert presented by Tito's after the White Sox face the Tigers at 6.10 p.m. Again, that's August 12th. For more information and to purchase your tickets, visit whitesox.com slash concert. Cascade's a good one. Uh, I've heard Darren Jackson is actually going to get into EDM as well. I'm not. He's kind of dabbling in the art right now, kind of understands where it is, what the layout is. But I, I, who knows? Maybe DJ opens up for Cascade on that set August 12th. I think it's definitely worth asking about. It is an Ask DJ Day today on the broadcast. Hashtag Ask DJ. Follow us at ESPN White Sox and ask him whether or not he's going to open for Cascade on August 12th at Guaranteed Rate Field. I think it's worth your time. Um, the Last night's game was was kind of a weird one. It was a, it was a kind of a slow and quiet game punctuated with a couple of big opportunities, both for the Sox and for the Giants, that kind of came to nothing until the night. There was good defense played by both teams until there wasn't. Camilo Doval, a reliever, Last one to work for the Giants made an error at first base. Gavin Sheets hit a ground ball to the first baseman, Brandon Belt. Belt went to underhand flip, but Doval was late getting over from the mound to the bag. The throw got away from Doval. Sheets reached on an error. Yohan Moncada struck out looking. A.J. Pollock had an infield single that hit the inside corner of the third base bag down the line. He reached first and second, two away. Leury Garcia knocks one into right field, and Adam Hazley, who was pinch running for Sheets, came around to score the only run of the game last night. And I think, you know, when, when we start taking a look at the White Sox as they are now and how they need to be come, let's call it the all-star break here, because I think that's an important timeline, that's an important kind of uh, line of demarcation for the White Sox. It kind of always is, you know, you hit the all-star break, all right, where are you at? After the All-Star break, teams start to talk about what you're trading for. Uh, we're going to play a game later on today. It's uh, one of our favorite games. We run it every month of July here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, you may remember it from last season. It's called, and we really need to come up with a better name for this game. I, I, we tried this last year, and I had the name. We have new producers this season, too. Charlie Bevins and Justin Rothman are our guys behind the glass. Uh, I, was, I was garbage at naming this. And Tyler Aki was no help whatsoever on naming this game. Absolutely brutal. Uh, I mean, the guy's great at hosting White Sox Weekly and pre- and post-game. just terrible at naming games on the show. The game is called Who Do You Want and Why? It's, where, it's, a game, it's an easy game. You call, White Sox fans, you call 312-332-3776. And then you answer the question, who do you want and why? It's a trade deadline game. You can take a look at any other player in the major leagues. You tell me why you want that guy and why. You don't. The trick of the game is you don't have to worry about whether this guy is good or bad necessarily, although I would think that informs the why you want him. That would be my guess. But I'll work out the contract stuff. We'll talk through what it might take to get that guy. It's Instead of doing the, oh, I got a trade for you, I want this guy for this guy, and I want, uh, you know, I want to pick up, I want Mike Trout, and we'll give him um, Carlos Perez, the AAA catcher for the Charlotte Knights. Eh, it's not going to work really well. You just tell me who you want and why. Remember, you have to have a why. It doesn't work without the why. You want the guy and a name. And then we'll go from there. We'll work it out. So we'll play who do you want and why a little bit later on. 312-332-3776. Uh, back to last night's game a little bit. I thought maybe one of the more important developments in that game was Lance Lynn. 
Uh, he threw 109 pitches in his six innings of shutout baseball. He struck out five and walked two, gave up just three hits. And early on, um, things were, you know, he looked in control. He got Lamont Wade Jr., the leadoff man, to pop out behind third base. He struck out Jock Peterson looking. Jock Peterson was a little upset with the call, but yeah, it's Jock Peterson. He struck out looking, and that's fine. He was over last night, too, which is big for the White Sox to keep Jock Peterson a little bit quiet. He's been great this year. Uh, he was 0 for 3. Darren Ruff came in for a pinch hit. Anyway, Wilmer Flores walked on a 3-0 start to his at-bat and, and then worked a two-out walk. Then he thought all of a sudden, okay, well, that, that looks a little different from Lance. Brandon Belt, good hitter, singles back up the middle, first and second two away. And then Mike Yastrzemski works a walk where, to, to be quite honest with you, Lance wasn't around the plate all that much. And you're like, oh, goodness, what's what's happening here? All of a sudden the bases are loaded. Even with two out, and it all of a sudden went from fine to, wow, if the Giants score a couple early, that could be a rough start here to the ball game tonight and a very uh, difficult place to hit in Oracle Park, which I believe, yeah, Oracle Park, which is what they've named the ballpark now in San Francisco this year. And then Lance comes back after a meeting with the catcher, Reese McGuire, strikes out Tommy LaStella, and gets through that inning. Lynn went 1-2-3 in the next three innings, he struck out, uh, or rather sat down 11-12 in a row. Uh, Tommy Lestella all the way to the first two outs in the fifth inning. Tommy Lestella ended the first. And it was, you know, it felt a lot more like a comfortable Lance Lynn start. I would still say that Lance, you know, after now having worked four starts since coming back from surgery, uh, that kept him out for the whole, you know, first two months of the, basically the first two months of the season, uh, he's still working back to the Lance Lynn of it all. And you could hear it some in the post-game comments that he made last night to reporters. We'll play that for you in just a second. You could hear that it's yeah, still a, a work in progress, but the stuff I thought looked a little bit crisper last night, even if the location didn't. He got away with a couple of cutters up um, and was able to get out of those situations or, or enforce ground balls, force ground balls, um, because he was playing with the timing a little bit, because he was playing with the velocity, taking a little bit on, adding a little bit, I think, in some situations. That's what it looked like to me. And I think if, if Lynn is doing that and comfortable doing so, which he seemed, that's a big win for the White Sox, and the big guy is working himself back into uh, back into shape, I guess. There was a weird moment last night where... Time was called by Mike Yastrzemski in the fourth. And home plate umpire Jordan Baker allowed time to be called, even though Lance Lynn was well into his delivery. You, you don't, you'll see this a lot. I, I think you do. I, in, on the broadcast, you're saying, oh, this, this shouldn't happen. You shouldn't have time called like this. It shouldn't work this way. But I, I, I have noticed that umpires are much more willing to call time um, just kind of regardless of where that pitcher is or how that pitcher is working and then just kind of has the guy deal with it. But what happened was Lynn, you know, went into the motion and kind of didn't stumble off the mound. It looked, it didn't look like anything happened to him. He just kind of landed and pulled the pitch back, but he was goofing around with his, with his knee and calf area. After that training staff, Tony La Russa came out to look at him. And, you know, at, at that point in the game, fairly early on, not only are you worrying about the you know the long-term health of Lance Lynn and whether or not he's going to be able to shake out whatever cramp that was or tweak or grab or, or God forbid, something worse. Um, and then also thinking about, well, he had the off day yesterday 
And you hope that did a good job of, of resetting the bullpen and some guys who have been worked a little bit. But you don't want to have to use them all now so early in the game. You might have that off day, which, by the way, the White Sox are now in a stretch of 17 days with 18 games up until the All-Star break. Yesterday, uh, not yesterday, pardon, Thursday was their final off day of the unofficial first half, right? We'll reach the 81 game mark pretty quickly here. But, you know, the unofficial first half is at the All-Star break. Uh, it, all of us, it looked, oh my goodness. I mean, it was it was a all of a sudden kind of a panic moment for the White Sox. But he stayed in, uh, worked through it, threw a warm-up pitch, managed to get out of the inning, and then record his six innings of scoreless baseball. But just, you know, overall, kind of a weird night last night, a, a different-looking game. White Sox get the win, which is the most important thing, one to nothing, and, and Lance not being hurt, obviously, that second most important thing. White Sox won, Giants nothing. Six hits for the Sox, three for the Giants. I uh, will take Matt on the South Loop, in the South Loop, in just a second. I do want to play for you real quick. You know what? Let's do it this way. Let's talk to Matt in the South Loop. Can we do that? Let's talk to Matt. Matt, you're on White Sox Weekly. What's up, my man? Hey, what's going on, Connor? How about how about this? Juan Soto for Eloy, Colson Montgomery, and Oscar Cola. Okay. Um, not enough. And I get it. The only thing you didn't do, Matt, I appreciate you chiming in on who do you want and why. But you got to give me the who do you want and the why. And what you did is give me the who you want and the who you want him for, which is which is in fact not the I think I think we lost Matt. I don't know if Matt hung up. I don't know if Matt just quit. Remember, Juan Soto uh is one of the best young players in baseball and maybe maybe going to be one of the best of all time. I don't know. I mean, we did this with we did this with Mike Trout for the first couple of years where people were all of a sudden looking around and saying I and I don't know if you remember this. Maybe you're a younger baseball fan than I am. You know, I'm 36 turning 37 just before the all-star break so that's my generation of baseball fandom I've, i know i've said this before on the show too but i really you know charlie is like what are you charlie like 24 22 i'm 23 like 23 and then justin i don't know if we've do you mind for you're 42 so so we've got like these two genera and i really like the age distribution that we have on on white Sox weekly because i think that kind of separation is it like Justin and I grew up and Ken Griffey Jr. was the best thing that had ever happened to baseball, hands down. And, like, we got raised that way. And Charlie came up at, what, 24? And you probably are already bored with Mike Trout because of how good you already know he is. And that's not a knock on you. I'm just saying, like, I'm sure, you know, the generation older than me were looking at Ken Griffey and going, like, well, he's no Carl Yastrzemski. I don't know why I did my Steve Stone voice just then. It's not a good Steve Stone. Yeah, the the funny thing, like, I feel like there wasn't, like, a necessarily, like, a singular icon for me growing up. Sure. Like, it was probably the closest with either Jeter or A-Rod. Oh, but, like, yeah, you're whole, growing, I forgot about the whole Jeter. But that's more like an evil guy thing. That's not really even, like, a hero. There And there is value. I've, I, I've always believed this. I think it's maybe less true in baseball than it is in other sports because baseball is such a... I don't know, a, a, a provincial game, right? It's it's so, not limited, but restricted by its own little areas. There is value in having a villain in the game, in, in any game, right? Like when LeBron went to Miami and tried to do his whole, I'm the villain in the NBA thing, and everyone's like, sure, LeBron. And then he just wasn't, and then won instead. I, I think there's value to that. Anyway, we've gotten off track, but I don't know that Juan Soto for three play. I mean, truly, if the Nationals, and I don't, they're talking about a contract extension now, and we'll see if it gets done before the All-Star break. And uh, Mike Rizzo, the GM of the Nationals, has already said we have no interest in trading Juan Soto because they don't, and why would they? 
But if you were, to, if they were to trade Juan Soto, I think even with the slow start he's gotten off to this year, relative to Juan Soto starts, I don't think there's a trade package that could get you for it fair value. I just, I don't think it ex- that you could. The Nationals could truly ask for an entire farm system, and maybe not be getting fair return. And I'm, 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 I'm not being hyperbolic there. Matt, I appreciate you calling in and kicking us off on who do you want and why. Uh, maybe I'll re-explain the rules a little bit when we come back. I don't know. Definitely when we come back, we'll be hearing from Lance Lynn in his post-game comments last night. He pitched a good one. Six innings of shutout ball, two walks, five strikeouts. We're going to hear from Josh Harrison. Talk with him a little bit later on on the show today. We'll talk about the start this afternoon for Dylan Cease. And, and when we come back as well... I want to talk about what's coming up for the White Sox. Because while this series against the Giants is an important one and a chance to get back to one game under 500, the 36 and 39 right now, what's coming up for the Sox in approximately two weeks, in the next two weeks before the All-Star break, might just be the stretch that defines this 2022 season. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly. You can join us if you want, 312-332-3776. You can play uh, Who Do You Want and Why, or you can talk about the White Sox and what you've seen last night, anything. It's your show, yours more than mine. It's the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back. It's White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. We got you until 2.30 this afternoon. Pre-game show starts then. And it's a 305 first pitch for Logan Webb of the Giants and Dylan Cease of your White Sox. By the way, you can join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on Monday, July 4th. That's coming up. It's this Monday. So, yeah, we're like really coming up. I keep on forgetting that we're in July. I don't know why that is. I, I have no idea why. I think it. I'm blaming it on the lockout. Anyway, join us on July 4th as the White Sox take on the Minnesota Twins. It's 7.10 p.m. Uh, get to the ballpark early as the first 12,000 fans will receive a special Paul Canerco bobblehead inspired by Captain America. I always thought Captain America was inspired by Paul Canerco, but it, apparently it's the other way around. Don't forget to stay afterward for the postgame fireworks show. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. I, I think you've probably seen, uh, if you've watched White Sox games, um, while listening to Len and DJ on our radio broadcast, I mean nothing against Jason and Steve, but I mean come on, Len and DJ, the uh, the the bobblehead looks great. I mean it's just the whole, and really it's it's. I'm gonna I'm a Marvel fan. It, it looks more like U.S. Agent than it does the Captain America uniform to me. But that's just I I grew up reading comic books in the early '90s, and and that was a very big I don't know it was a big thing at the time. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. That's not why we're here. We're doing a lot of things today. Um, we're gonna take a, a couple of phone calls in just a bit. We are playing throughout the month of July up until the trade deadline. Who do you want and why here on White Sox Weekly? Who do you want and why? It's a simple game. The trade deadline is coming up. The White Sox are pushing to get themselves back. On top of the AL Central, they have to push very hard uh, in order to do that. But we play a game here on the show called Who Do You Want and Why? It's I know it's a bad name, but it is what it is. The two rules are you need a who, who do you want, and why. We'll figure out the stats and what it might take to get him, the contract situation, all that good stuff. We've got that for you. All we want is the who and why you want them. 
312-332-3776. Did want to play for you real quickly here. Uh, Frank, Tom, Bob, Phil, hold on. We'll get to you guys in a sec. Uh, did want to play for you last night's Lance Lynn postgame comments because I, I think watching him get himself back to being Lance Lynn is a big part of what the next month is going to, how the next month is going to play out for the White Sox and, and how how well they get themselves back into this division with all these games against the division coming up. We'll talk about that in a moment as well. So, Charlie, if you would, uh, Lance Lynn in the post game last night. You know, coming off an off day after uh, losing two or three, uh, we got to find a way to, to win games. So we're one run game there on the road right there. It was, it was a nice win for us tonight. You enjoy that kind of uh, battle, scoreless, uh, or something about it? Uh, as a competitor, you love the back and forth, uh, you know, no run score, but as a uh, Want a little, you like a little, little couple of runs there just to give yourself some some wiggle room. But, uh, you know, it's fun to compete. I've pitched against uh, Alex a long time, so that was fun to compete against him. And, you know, we were able to come through there at the end. You know, looking like your old self tonight. Uh, you know, you're going to call me old. <laughs> no, it's coming back. Um, that's part of the process here. Uh, you know, you look at me, you have starts. First couple starts, I threw the ball well um, at times, and then you know had some bad luck, and it's going to happen. But I think once you get in the flow, flow of what you're doing and uh, your pitches and, and things like that, then everything starts rolling a little bit different. So that's Lance Lynn after his start last night, and there's two reasons I really wanted to play that for you. One, I think Lance is funny, and he says something funny in every good post game presser that he does. You know, whether he's angry or not, the whole. <laughs> whole filet and prime rib thing was was classic the other week when he got into the argument with Joe McEwing in the dugout uh, and then just squ- literally squashed a beef by saying they had a beef about beef and then squashed said beef in the postgame interview. It was fantastic. Um, <clears throat> the other reason is because, you know, in that little you know comment, it's Daryl Van Scowen of the Sun-Times who does a great job covering the White Sox and has for a while. Uh, I've, I've said this too. White Sox fans are very lucky with the folks that cover this team, not just the the major beat reporters, you know, guys like Scott Merkin, James Fegan, Daryl Van Scowen, Lamont Pope, I, 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 all, Vinnie Duber, all these guys, um, but also the, the 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 baseball blogosphere that exists. They are White Sox fans are lucky um, with all the people that care and love for this team. You know, guys like uh, Sox Machine and from the one hundred eight, all those. I mean, they're they're all crazy people, but we love them very very much, and and it's it's a just a really fun group at times, even though White Sox Twitter can get angsty every now and again. Uh, but he, Lanson called it a process, right? He's still talking about the process of getting back. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I, he's talked about it a handful of times as this is you know, kind of an expected thing, that it is um, part and parcel of getting back to being Lance Lynn since that offseason, uh, as you call it, spring training knee surgery. So, you know, until we start talking, until Lance starts talking about, no, I, I expected this, or, or, you know, kind of referencing his starts in ways that are other than that, I, I think judging those starts um, on a little bit of the Lance Lynn, is he back curve is fair. It's a tricky place to walk to, though, a tricky line to kind of find because the White Sox do need wins, right? I mean, they, you know, and, and Lance isn't out there just kind of like working on stuff. It's not like spring training Lance Lynn or anything, but it just is kind of one next thing, one other thing that the White Sox are balancing at this point in the season. And I know a lot of teams are balancing things like this, but the White Sox are doing it in a position where they are 
Uh, five and a half games back. We'll update you on the Twins and the Guardians today. Guardians and Yankees playing a doubleheader. They were rained out last night, so two chances for the Guardians to fall to the Yankees, hopefully. Um, but there, there is... You know, there is a little bit of a, a, um, a balancing act that needs to be, well, I guess, balanced, for lack of a better term, by the White Sox, by Ethan Katz, by Lance Lynn, uh, and the rest of the pitching infrastructure there as they go. You could join us for Family Sundays at Guaranteed Rate Field with tickets starting at 10 bucks and parking for only 15 Bring your family out to the ballpark for a day full of fun. Family Sundays are proudly presented by Coca-Cola. Visit whitesocks.com slash Sundays to purchase your tickets today. We're playing Who Do You Want and Why. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, our next contestants are Frank and Tom. We'll hear who they want and why. We're going to take a short break here on White Sox Weekly and then resume the game, hopefully the right way, when we come back. I'm Connor McKnight, 312-332-3776. It's White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. We're going to be joined by Josh Harrison uh, momentarily, in fact. If you want a fun fact, I'm actually texting the number that Josh has to call to the White Sox right now. Because that's, you know, sometimes what we do here on the show. Uh, we're a full-service enterprise for White Sox fans, and we uh, we really enjoy being able to do that for you. So, uh, I, I'm sorry, Frank and Tom, hang on or, or call in a bit. Uh, Josh Harrison is going to join us in just a moment here. Told you uh, as we started the show that Josh would be our guest today on White Sox Weekly. Uh, thrilled to have him in just a couple of minutes. Um, and he's just finishing up his, his workouts and stuff now. So when he calls... We'll talk with him. Sox fans, you can kick off your 4th of July week with tickets starting at $7.04 for games on Monday, July 4th through Thursday, July 7th. The offer includes a Captain Canerco bobblehead giveaway and post-game fireworks on the 4th, a free summer t-shirt on Thursday, and more. You do not want to miss this deal. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash Flash sale. That's whitesocks.com slash flash sale. Uh, out to the phone lines we go right now, and it is White Sox second baseman and sometimes third baseman and sometimes left fielder and do everything all the time. Josh Harrison joining us here on White Sox Weekly. Hi, Josh. How are you? What's going on? Can, can you hear me okay? Got you. Absolutely. Fantastic. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, big win for the White Sox last night. Close game all the way around. Leary comes through with a big hit, and you guys get to uh, – uh, start the road trip or start this three-game series in San Francisco with a win. Big one last night, yeah? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, anytime you win a game that's that's like that one nothing well-pitched on both sides, um, you know, it takes, you know, a clutch situation to, to to win a game in those moments. And and, and, and he he came up in a big moment for us. Lance threw well. Um, the bullpen came in. Uh, that's, that's pretty much all you can ask for, a fully team win. And, uh, they say to get the first one of the series. So, Josh, we're we're doing. I'm going to give you a question now that I'll ask you again toward the end of the interview. It's just something I kind of want you to marinate a little bit. We did this with Jake Berger a couple of weeks ago. He had a lot of fun with it, so we're trying to make it a thing. I'm going to ask you toward the end of the interview. What is one thing you have never done before, but are unreasonably confident you would be good at? 
one thing you've never done before, but you're unreasonably confident you'd be good at. So sit and think about that for a second. We're going to talk baseball about the rest of the stuff, but that's what we're coming back to toward the end of the interview. All right. Okay. All right. So you are no stranger to playing baseball in San Francisco. You've been there a couple of times with all your time in the national league. What is the comment? What are you talking to guys and hitters about who are you know kind of making their first trip out here? It is such a different environment and ballpark and, and like weather system and stuff to play in. What do you have to know as both a, a hitter and a, and a defender out there? Uh, it's definitely a different vibe. Um, de- definitely tell them like it's a fun place to play. Um, just because you, you you see the energy, and I can remember being here. I think they had four straight years of sellouts, yeah. so it was always a a fun place to play. But um, you know when you get an opportunity to play at a park like this, that. <clears throat> You know, as, as big leaguers, you, you hope to get to go to all 30 parks. And here I am, used to being in the National League. You know, it's second nature to come to this stadium. I know it. And a lot of these guys, first time, you know, it dawned on me yesterday, like I forgot, AL Central. Y'all don't play San Francisco. You know, you, you're used to playing Oakland. Um, but but last night, <laughs> it was funny. Not even last night, stepping out for BP. You know, guys like, man, it's cold. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, I've never been to San Francisco where I've been hot. And I've been here all times throughout the you know season over the course of my career but uh you know I always tell them it's it's a fun place to play um like it, it literally is a place that I, I enjoy coming to it's one of my favorite parts to come play for one the fans they can get a little rowdy <laughs> but you know that's anywhere but uh being right on the water you know it, it definitely has its own feel of you know it's windy coming off that water the wind swirls um but but I think it's a cool ballpark too, and and just letting them know like, hey, pay attention to the flags. Right field is a is a short little weird angle, especially for second baseman and right field. But uh, that's, that's all we do when we go out for BP is to try to get adjusted to the to the field as much. But as you said, with a lot of them not being here before, just letting them know, hey, make sure you pack sleeves. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be windy. Uh, make sure you communicating all things that we know about being in a windy city as well. So I'm glad you brought up second base there. I don't know where or or if you had an eye on Leori late in the game. I think it was the first out of the ninth. Mike Yastrzemski flied out to right. And Leori is all the way out there near the track because there's a high fly ball. And as you said, right field has those weird angles out there. Leori could have made that catch instead of Hazley, who I, I think was out there in right field instead that's that's how short and weirdly angled that is for second base. Have you had you seen something like that before? Yeah, um, and and to be honest, it, it was actually a little more nerve wracking when the bullpens were down on the foul line. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the bullpens now have been moved, but I, I was here when the bullpens used to be down on the foul line. So I've seen it go from hey, a little shaky over there to okay, you can actually chase it. But I don't know if you remember last night, there was a play where Leroy, Le- Larry got a little close to the wall. Right. Um, because it's on top of you, it's still kind of close. Just um, and, and for us, you know, you get so used to playing in the same parks um, over the course of your career. You go to a park that you're not used to. You know, sometimes your, your, your internal instincts of going to get a ball, sometimes you might have to have that regulator in the back to say, hold on, I can't take no more than two more steps because I'm going to hit that wall. And – uh it's all things that's kind of hard to do because in the moment of going to chase the ball, you know, we're going all out. Like, I'm going to make this play, not realizing, you know, every field has different dimensions, different foul dimensions close to the line. And uh, it's just something that you you really have to trust, you know, 
your instincts and trust the guys that you're out there with to communicate. That's why we try to let outfielders know how close they're getting to the wall when they're getting there. But um, it's also a loud stadium, so you you, kind of got to play with the wind, too. Talking with Josh Harrison here on White Sox Weekly. Josh, June has been good for you specifically. You have put, let me see here, 40 points on the average, 50 points on the on base, and 140 points on the OPS. June, it's 322, 379, 475, the slash line. What's clicking? Uh, just getting the rhythm, getting comfortable. Um, early on was, you know, not far off for, for a lot of us. I mean, it's usually something so minor, so small. But, uh, you know, it's part of baseball, man. I, I've been in this game long enough. It's not the first time I've, you know, gone gone in a rut or struggled. And, you know, the, the only way to get out of it is continue to work, show up every day. You can't lose that confidence. Um, and that's something that can never waver no matter how bad it gets. And just one of those things where I knew once I get to my spot of feeling comfortable, right rhythm, all those things that, you know, everything would take care of itself. Um, sometimes we got to take a step back to just say, you know what, I got what I got and stop trying to be so fine, especially, you know, when, when you come from, you know, it's playing in cold weather, off and on, not playing every day. You know, you're up there and it's like you, you can't be too – too fine of where are my hands, where's my foot. Sometimes you just got to go up there and say, I got what I got, be ready to hit. And um, sometimes it's as simple as that, but <laughs> sometimes there are a few more other things you might have to tap into to get where you need to be. But, I mean, more than anything, it's repetition. And the more games you play, the more comfortable you get, the more rhythm you get. And, you know, that's, that's, that's why it's a long season. Um, it's a lot of ups and downs. You got to be able to ride the wave. You mentioned it was something small for you. I, I wonder – can it be just as hard to find or, or eliminate or change that small thing in a swing as it can a large thing? Because it's, you know, you see the big thing, or oh, my foot's over here, or, I'm holding the wrong end of the bat, or whatever. Like, that's an easier fix than the tiny little thing that, that might take um, more time to even find first and then go fix. Am I, am I right on that? Uh, to understand, everything's going to be subjective, but that's where us as hitters, we have to internalize to know who we are you know, as a hitter and what our processes are. Because sometimes we can, you know, pinpoint something that is actually not the actual real cause. Uh, it just might be a byproduct of something. And uh, that's where we have to also internalize that hey, it's a long season. There are going to be days that we think we're fine, not realizing that our legs are tired. Um, you know, there's there's all types of, <laughs> you know, rhyme and reason. But to be honest, um that's why I said you got to continue to plug away because at some point there's going to be some point through the season where something clicks for you where you're like, man, here I have been thinking it was this all along when really it was this. Was that and, um, uh, was that Bob Begtel's phone in the background? No, that was that was actually mine. I'm using Bob. Okay, sure all right, all good. Well, then, know, it's, then it's fine. Then it's <laughs> no, we're, we're three hours behind. My daughters are trying to Facetime me. They can wait. Don't tell them I said. <laughs> well, that, I'm not so. going to keep on. Oh my God! Now you're making oh, no, me no, feel no, terrible. Yeah. No, nah, no, nah, you're good. Uh, all right, all right, here we go. <laughs> but, so, but, so, so, having having to deal with, um, you know, coming back from injuries. Sometimes I I, I can, I, I take inventory of my body, and sometimes like there was an article on me last year where I split grip, and I find, I, you know, I kind of play around with my grip a little bit based off of hand injuries that I've had in the past. Because mm. um, truth be told, the older you get, you know, your body. I don't want to say changes, but. When you, when you've had surgeries and injuries, you know sometimes you try to go back to pre-injury. Um, 
form or, or try to do something a certain way where it takes a little bit more time to, you know, get those muscles to get back to that muscle memory because for so long, you know, you manipulate or you compensate in other places. And that, that's where I was in 18 and 19 playing through injuries. So sometimes, you know, I don't want to say I'm fighting that, but I, I go between split grip and not split grip. Mm. It's just a matter of, as I said, internalizing knowing for that day, this is where I need to be. And sometimes it's just as simple as saying, you know what, I can't worry about where my hands and everything is because if I'm worrying about that, am I really ready to hit? Baseball is is a strange, such a long sport at times, right? I mean, we play 162 of these things, and you guys have to be so focused on each next game, but also the schedule gets made out. So, you know, White Sox fans know, everybody knows that you guys have three with the Twins after this series and four with the Tigers and then four with the Guardians and then four more with the Twins before the All-Star break. This is a big stretch to start July. How are are you guys talking about the game at hand, you know, this afternoon and also that you guys have some big baseball games coming up? Oh, yeah. I mean, like you said, the schedule's out. It's printed. We know what lies ahead of us. But um, at the same time, you know, we got to be where our feet are. We're in San Fran. Won won the opening game of the series last night. You know, got a chance to go out there and win the series today. Um, we got to we got to be where we are, but at the same time, as I mentioned, we we know what's ahead of us, and and to be honest, it's exciting because you know this this is what you play for. Um, you know, you 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 want to play all the teams, but at the same time, we also know all these teams within our division. Um, these are games that you know you want to be up for, you want to play because they're going to come for us, and, and it's got to be vice versa. We got to be ready to come for them. But as I mentioned, we we got to get through San Fran first. Yeah. But uh. We, we we know what lies ahead, and it's, it's some exciting baseball heading to the break, and we got to take it a day at a time. All right, Josh, at the beginning of the interview, I asked, what is one thing that you've never tried before but are unreasonably confident that you'd be good at? I asked Jake Berger uh, two weeks ago. I can give you his answer if you want, a little bit of a, a prompt, but if you oh, have I, something. I, I, right, I know my answer, right, what is it? What is but it? What I is would it? like to know what he said, though. Okay, okay, you can't, you can't change your answer when I tell you no, what Jake said. All right. So Jake Jake said he thought he would be great at a chess tournament. Really? Yes. So then I spent the next two weeks trying to find chess tournaments for him to enter and put his money where his mouth was, and I couldn't find one. But Jake said he'd yeah, be great. Yeah, because I was say that. I mean, right? Because that means he plays chess, but he's never done a chess tournament. Exactly. <laughs> I asked him, like, do you know which way the piece is moving? He's like, well, yeah, I have that. Like, I know that. <laughs> what would yours be? So mine, um, acting. Acting. Like I, 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 obviously, you know, we've all done stuff that we had to do, scoreboard stuff, yeah. whether you know, media relations through the through the team, where you might have to do, you know, a commercial here or there. But acting, uh, hadn't had a chance to get a role or anything, but I always said, hey, if somebody want to send me a script, let's go. Did you Did you get into it in high school at all? Were you on a stage or anything? <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> no, that's just me. Me thinking. With me knowing that, hey, I think I could do it. You, you give me a script. Uh, I've, I've shot a few commercials before, and you know I ain't gonna say they say I'm Jay Z in the booth one take, <laughs> but I'm pretty close to it. <laughs> so would you like if you would you look because like Thomas Jones, former Bears running back. I don't know if you uh, you know because first year in yeah, Chicago. I'm, I'm, familiar, I'm familiar with Thomas. Yeah, so I mean he's done some acting and stuff. We put you guys in touch, and and maybe that's a. You know, you guys, you, you got a lot more baseball to play and everything, but maybe that's something you could, you know, with your agent kind of talk about. Maybe get a pilot or something. Yeah, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm, I'm never going. 
say no. And as I said, I, I think I said this back in pit, a similar question. And hey, I'm, if, if there's a role out there, I'm, I like to give it a shot. See, this is where remember the series pitch. It was about the uh, the first female. Is a fictional series about the first female pitcher in Major League Baseball. This is where they needed guys like you to give like you know that kind of air of real baseball in shows, right? Get your first taste of acting at the same time. You might be on something there. All right. <laughs> Make some calls. You, might, you might be able to make it kind of easy, you know, easy way to slide you in and get you get your feet wet. Exactly. You want to start they acting? They want to throw me some wolves. I'm ready for that, too. See, there you go. Some drama, some some comedies. Shed some, can you cry on command by any chance? Like, is that a thing you're able to do? Now, that, I, I'm, I mean, you put me in a situation, I probably could. I know my daughter can. <laughs> I don't know if she gets that from me or my wife. It's from one of us. Just uh, just imagine you're being hit by a 95 mile an hour fastball on the instep, and that'll, in, that'll in the back get, elbow. Yeah, that's oh my god! Oh, dude, I should have asked you about that. You looked so surprised when it hit you back there. How is the elbow? My God, man! Um, it, it, it's a lot better. It's still got a little bit of swelling, but my range of motion and stuff is actually actually back. But I was surprised because I honestly thought it was going to hit my back. Right, and when it missed my back, I was like, oh, it missed me and. In that split second, I just felt it hit my, my the back arm, and my, my arm instantly went numb, dead. I was like, yeah, that didn't miss me. <laughs> that, looked, <laughs> that looked as painful as it gets. I'm glad you're feeling better, man. Thank you. You got it. I'll let you go uh, FaceTime with your daughters. Appreciate you chiming in. And if any acting opportunities come up here at the flagship station, you will be my first call. Let's go. I'll be ready. All right. Josh Harrison, thanks so much, and good luck today. White Sox second baseman Josh Harrison joining us here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, we've got a lot more to do here on the show. I, I, I am really glad we asked the question because uh, Josh Harrison acting in some television commercials would be a very good thing to watch. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. You want to react to uh, anything Josh said, feel free. Hop in. We are also playing Who Do You Want and Why? It's the game where all July up until the trade deadline – we ask White Sox fans who you might want and why you want them. You just got to give me a name and a why. That's the, the name of the game. It's very simple. We'll work out the rest of the deal and the contracts and whatnot. I'll give you the White Sox lineup for this afternoon's game against the Giants when we come back. It's White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. Just had a real fun conversation with White Sox second baseman Josh Harrison. He's got the day off today, or at least not in the lineup. I wouldn't be too surprised if he's getting a pinch hit performance if the opportunity arises. Get you the lineup in just a moment. But you can join us for Country Music Night and Post Game Fireworks presented by Coca-Cola on Friday, July 8th. The White Sox take on the Detroit Tigers at 7.10 p.m. Coca-Cola, there's magic when we cheer together. To purchase tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash promos. That's WhiteSox.com slash promos. Here's the Sox lineup for this second game of three against the San Francisco Giants this afternoon. Pre-game show starts in just over an hour. 2.30, we'll get that going. First pitch at 3.05. Tim Anderson is in the top spot. He's at short. Andrew Vaughn's the DH. Luis Robert in center field. Jose Abreu at first. Those have kind of been the locked-in top four 
for the last, oh boy, just paging through my score sheet. It's got to be close to three weeks now that those guys in some combination since Tim Anderson has come back, or I, I should say in that combination, uh, have been in those spots in the orders. Call it, uh, call it two weeks, I think, for those four. Gavin Sheets bats five. He's in right. Yoan Moncada bats six. He's at third base, of course. Seven, eight, and nine for the White Sox today are A.J. Pollock in left. Leori Garcia is at second base. And Sebi Zavala will catch. Day game after a night game. So Reese McGuire caught a late one last night. Did a good job working with uh, Lance Land and Joe Kelly and Tanner Banks and Kendall Graveman. Sebi gets it today. And, you know, not for nothing, but... You know, with with Yasmani Grandal out, and and really no um, no no true timetable yet for when he might come back off the injured list, the lower back issue. You know, it looked like a hamstring when he did single into right field, uh, and then came out of that game. Been a lower back since then. No real timetable that I've seen. We'll we'll check the Twitter verse and Twitter sphere and stuff for any uh, late breaking news from White Sox beat reporters out west. Uh, but Sebi's. Sebi's hit the ball hard. I, I, he's looked different than he looked last year. I mean, he had the three-homer game. I called it with Darren, and that was a, a ton of fun to watch him hit that three-homer game. Each one of them, the first one is his first major league home run. Um, but this was, uh, I don't know, it just it looks harder off the bat to me. It looks like there's a lot more of a, a calm, confident, hard-swinging Sebi Zavala. He's in 43 plate appearances, hitting 282, 310 on base, Slugging for 62. He's had some big hits, and that's been fun to watch. So that's your lineup uh, for the White Sox against the Giants today. Good pitching matchup, too. Dylan Cease and Logan Webb are the starters. Uh, if you haven't seen Logan Webb work before, this should be fun. If you like, you know, kind of that, that watching good pitching, uh, and if you can stand it while we're watching it, it's the White Sox. I get it. Uh, you'd rather him just have an off day and not have to see why he's as good as he is. Uh, but Logan Webb is pretty darn good, and Dylan Cease is just. I mean, he's he's going to be an all-star, I, I would imagine. Uh, you, you look around the numbers, you look around where he ranks in American League pitchers, starters, that guy's got himself a, a, an all-star, an inside track to the all-star game here with two weeks or so remaining before the break. I told you, as we started the show, we are restarting the game that was sweeping the nation last July leading up to the MLB trade deadline. And we do it every July here on White Sox Weekly. Every single one of them since I started again last year. But the game is, who do you want and why? Instead of, you know, calling in with with, uh, trade propositions and all this other kind of stuff. And, oh, I want Mike Trout for Carlos Perez. It it doesn't work that way. I want to know who you want and why you would want him on the White Sox. We'll work out what it might take to get him. I mean, it's fun to talk trades, you know, come this time of May. It's like... It's half the reason you got into baseball when you were a kid. You had the playing cards. You were trading those with your friends. If you're of, of my generation or, or, or Justin's or Charlie's, you were playing some sort of video game, whether that's Ken Griffey baseball for the Nintendo 64, where you were just taking Kenny Lofton and trading him for every other player and then getting Kenny Lofton back and then doing it again for whoever else you wanted because for some reason you could trade Kenny Lofton and somebody for anybody in the game, excluding Barry Bonds. He was harder to trade for. And Griffey was a tough guy to get in that game too. But you could just do that over and over. Or if you're playing MVP of the show and you're a little bit younger than me and you know building your roster that way, trades are, trades are fun. So we figured we'd find a way to talk about him here on White Sox leading up to the deadline. Who do you want and why? That's what you need. I need a name, who, and why you want him. 
That's the why. 312-332-3776. I also, maybe we'll do this, um, maybe we'll do this in the next segment. We'll get it started. Don Van Nata Jr., uh, who's an investigative reporter for ESPN.com, had an interview, a long, lengthy interview with Major League Baseball's commissioner, Rob Manfred. And there's a lot in there about the state of and future of baseball. And I wanted to talk about a couple of these things because changes are coming and and it could be as soon as next year. I think some are great. I think some are we'll see. And some scare me a little bit. But, you know, being scared is okay sometimes. Sometimes. Let's head out to the phone lines and we'll play a little bit of who do you want and why in Elgin. It's Kevin. And you're on White Sox Weekly. Kevin, what's up? Hey, how you doing, sir? Nice to talk to you. Good to talk with you as well. Um, I My who is, well, let me preface this. Your interview with Mr. Harris was nice, and I could totally see him in like a apocalyptic-type movie uh, just saving the day. But broken foot and all, my who, Ozzy Albies, my why, solid second base, solid hitter, switch hitting, that's all I have to say about it, basically. Yeah, Kevin, I appreciate it, man. Listen, Ozzy Albies is absolutely terrific, uh, and he does have a broken foot, so that is a problem. I, I, I'll have to look up. I hadn't looked up the Braves injured list. Justin, can you do that for me real quick? If we got just look up Ozzy Albies and when he's maybe coming back. I, I wanted to say it was a six week time frame for Albies before he even started uh, moving around again. If memory serves, I, I usually check. I apologize. I usually check the injury notes on the American League a little bit harder than I do on the National League side of things, just, you know, given that we're we're covering the White Sox here on the station. I would guess, listen, the, the Braves signed Ozzie Albies to a very friendly contract for Atlanta, given how good Albies is. And and in return, I, I would imagine that the, if, if the Braves were interested in trading him, and I don't think they are, they want something. But I, I understand, you know, it, it was great to talk with Josh. Um, you know, he's, he's getting back into the swing. We mentioned the numbers, too, in June. Josh has been that guy. Josh has been, you know, a really impactful hitter for the White Sox in the month of June. I'll pull up the numbers one more time for the last 18 games of Josh Harrison's season. 322 average 379 on base, 475 slugging percentage. So he's, you know, he's been impactful. Charlie, what you say? he's on the 60 day, 60 day IL that yeah. happened mid June. Okay, so, so, we're that's, at so it's it's a minute for Ozzy Albie's. And, and like I said, I don't I don't think that that's a a guy that's moving at this year's trade deadline. I would venture to guess he's not moving at any of the next four or five trade deadlines too. But that's just me. Appreciate you calling, Kevin. Um, if, if nothing else, yes, Ozzy Albie's one hell of a baseball player. Uh, out in Schaumburg. It's Tom. Tom, you're on White Sox Weekly. Oh, hey, Connor. I do have a legitimate uh, trade uh, uh, deal, but I, I thought of a new name for the game. Okay. It's it's uh, who would you trade Carlos Perez for and when? <laughs> that's I like it. That's, that's super specific. It's incredibly clunky, and it fits the show perfectly. Thank you, Tom. Sure. But uh, there's a good outfielder who's going to be a free agent next year, having a good year in Kansas City right now, Benintendi. Andrew Benintendi. A lefty. And, you know, we're always having trouble in the outfield with people staying healthy, well, everywhere. But uh, Jake Berger was blocked, really. I mean, Moncada isn't going to go anywhere. So I was thinking, you know, he's and he's obviously going to be cheap for the for quite a while. Maybe a Jake Berger and uh, maybe a throw in like a Jerry Kelly or something. I think that might get it done. 
Tom, appreciate you, my man. Uh, do the homework, too, on who do you want and why. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> sure. you. Bye-bye. So, Benintendi, yeah, Andrew Benintendi is in the last year of his deal with the Kansas City Royals. He is uh, 27 years old. He is off to a very good season. Um, I did, did I say he's a free agent coming up? Yeah, I think I said he's a free agent coming up. That's an important thing to note because, you know, expiring contracts, guys who are going to be free agents are typically – um, in terms of prospect value, a little bit cheaper to acquire than guys who are on those long-term extensions like Ozzy Albies. Benintendi is hitting 308 with a 372 on base and slugging 394. So he's not that you know big crusher kind of profile that he did have in the first, I don't know, call it three seasons with the, not three full seasons, but uh, two full seasons and then his, his kind of uh, break-in season in 2021 with the Boston Red Sox. And you know, I think it's been well-reported that the White Sox were uh, really interested in Benintendi when he came out in the draft in 2015. He went in the first round, seventh overall. Um, he is a, a good player, a darn good outfielder uh, with a good arm as well, even though uh, one of his throws has allowed the White Sox to win a ball game. I just, you know, trading within the division is tough. It, it just is. The White Sox have shown very little qualms about trading within the division, or, or with Crosstown Rivals, for that matter. So I, that's a big credit in their favor, in the White Sox' favor, from my perspective. Uh, Benintendi, though, I would guess, you know, given his, given his defense and his overall contributions offensively, is going to be fairly pricey. I, I think, you know, and that's kind of the conversation we've had in and around and with, quite frankly, Jake Berger for a while, is, you know, you're blocked. You know, you, you may well be blocked here at third base. It's why he's worked so hard trying to um, acquire or, or put second base into the quiver, you know, kind of be have that extra club in the bag. Um, it is He's been there at times, um, but defensively he's much more a third baseman than he is a keystone guy. He can absolutely mash when he is on. Um, but at this point in his career, given the injuries and everything else like that, is it's kind of a... You know, it can be a tough fit at times for Berger, as talented as he is, and as and as huge as he was. Um, you know, really kind of beginning, being the guy with big hits that got the White Sox out of um, their offensive funk that they'd been in for the first two months or or month and a half or so of the season, and this last month of June being a really good one. Three one two three three two three seven seven six, or at least a, a much better offensive month. That's the phone number, uh, the one I just gave you. We're playing. Who do you want and why? When we come back, um, let's see. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the injuries uh, and guys coming off. Hopefully, the injured list for the White Sox soon. We'll also talk about this interview that Rob Manfred gave to ESPN.com. I'm Connor McKnight. Lots more White Sox Weekly to go here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. You can spend your summer at the ballpark with Miller Lite bleachers and brews. Get one ticket and two beers starting at $27. That's right. I said $27 for one ticket and two pops. You must be 21 and over with a valid ID. To purchase tickets, visit whitesocks.com slash brew. That's whitesocks.com slash brew. That's a favorite promotion of ours here on White Sox Weekly. Don't know why. Couldn't tell you. A lot of fun at the ballpark coming up this summer. And, uh, you know, I, I want to play for you a couple of things, or one thing I should say from Liam Hendricks. It, it sounds like, 
Uh, Liam is scheduled to be activated from the injured list come Monday, which is a very underrated Jimmy Buffett song. That's against the Minnesota Twins. Monday night, the 4th, 7-10. We got fireworks and everything at the ballpark, and it should be a good one, too. Twins are playing well. They got a walk-off homer from Byron Buxton the other night. They are uh, underway right now. Uh, so are the Guardians. I should, uh, the Guardians are playing right now. The Twins are in delay, actually, in Minnesota. There's some weather coming through. They did not put a roof on Target Field, despite the fact that they play in the Arctic tundra. But, you know, whatever. Uh, they play the Orioles at some point today. Yankees lead the Guardians 10-2, to bottom seven. As I said, those two are playing a doubleheader today. They were rained out last night. There is a huge stretch of baseball coming up for the White Sox, leading up to the All-Star game. Currently, the division rests in the hands of the Minnesota Twins. They are five and a half games better than the White Sox in the standings. The Cleveland Guardians are one and a half games behind the Twins. Four games better than the White Sox. It is still, in my perspective, and I think the perspective of many others, and for what it's worth, uh, gambling websites and places where you can put a couple of dollars down on this thing, a a three-team race. The White Sox playoff odds, which were, you know, given to a lot of in a lot of different places, something like seventy three percent. I'm talking about projection websites, not necessarily the the gambling, the uh, the Fanduel kind of odds, that kind of thing. But the projections had them about uh, seventy five, seventy three, something like that percent to make the playoffs when we started. Uh, those have dropped to around forty percent because of the tough start the White Sox have gotten off to, and yet still three games under five hundred. You can still see the top of this division. And this schedule, we talked with Josh Harrison about this just a little while ago on the show, this schedule may allow the White Sox to get back into this division in the next two weeks before the All-Star break. It's it's a tough task, right? I mean, it's, it just is. There's a lot of baseball here in these next two weeks. There's these three against the Giants, three against the Twins at home, four against the Tigers. Four against the Guardians on the road with a doubleheader smack dab in the middle on July 12th. Happy birthday to me. Then four games against the Minnesota Twins on the road to end the unofficial first half. That's seven against the Twins in the next two weeks. Four against the Guardians in the next two weeks. That is a jam-packed, well-scheduled, kind of super critical stretch for the Sox. We talked with Josh. He knows it. You know, the White Sox obviously are not in a position where they can just start to look at, you know, those games, focus on them and set up the rotation. And like You need wins against the Giants. And that's why, you know, last night the one nothing victory was as big as it was. That was a toss-up kind of baseball game. And Leori Garcia came through with the hit to win it for the Sox. You need every one of those. Uh, and as the White Sox begin, hopefully, to turn this ship in the proper direction, it's going to be wins like last night, you know, where you win kind of on the margins. You take advantage of a defensive mistake by the other team. The Giants are not a good defensive team, uh, certainly not as constructed right now with guys like Brandon Crawford out, uh, but even more so, uh, or even even with, they've not played great defensively. So you have to take advantage of those opportunities. The White Sox finished the month of June with some better offensive numbers than I think the results would show. The Sox were 12-15 and 15 in June with a negative two run differential. But that negative two was their best run differential of the three months of baseball so far. 
The Sox had a team batting average of 281 in the month of June. That was the second best batting average in that month in all of baseball. They were on base at a 360, 336 clip, fifth best in baseball. Their slugging percentage, which has lacked all year in punch, was 409. And that was in the bottom half, right around the middle, uh, just under the, the, the MLB average uh, slugging percentage at 409. The White Sox all year, due to health, um, a lot of cold, maybe a baseball that's a little weird, and underperformance, no doubt. Those kind of three things have formed a, a tripod of, of offensive underproduction for the White Sox early on here, or, or, or in the early on, in the first eight weeks or so. They slugged 409, and that needs to get picked up. They're still not walking a ton. They have the second fewest walks in baseball. But that is an offensive number. Those those handful of offensive numbers can be pointed in the right direction, especially augmented, hopefully, by the return of Aloy Jimenez, perhaps just Monty Grandal, and Yohan Moncada getting things back together as well. It was an interesting kind of game to watch for Yohan last night. He hit an absolute missile out to left center field that was tracked down by Mike Yastrzemski. It was an expected batting average of 820 on the fly ball. I think it was off the bat at 101, and Yoan hit one of the harder balls in that night, too. It was an 108-mile-an-hour grounder. Yeah, it's a ground ball, but it's still a hard-struck ball. Yastrzemski made this catch uh, in left center, one of the deeper parts of that ballpark, oddly shaped as it is. Hard contact is what we're talking about there. And... We've seen in a couple of strikeouts that Yohan has taken uh, last night or in the last game uh, against Shohei Otani and the Angels. He's still working long at bats, seven pitches and six pitches in those two strikeouts. That's pretty okay when it, you know uh, when you look at the process over the results. And I think as Yohan kind of works back into it, you're looking for him to maybe even above all else is be a different kind of hitter than the guy Tim Anderson or Luis Robert are at the top of the card or in the first three hitters. They swing a lot. And Yohan Mankata is a guy that can work longer at bats, and having that kind of diversity in the lineup, I think, is big for an offense. Now, you need production to go along with it. Don't get me wrong. But as the White Sox have been under 500 here for the first uh, for the for the first three months of the season, or, or for the bulk of it anyway, uh, you need to make sure that the uh, under-the-hood numbers, that kind of stuff, also tracks because otherwise you could find yourself I, I think looking for fool's gold a little bit and just saying oh you know there it is you got the win that's all you need just win and move on you need to make sure that some of this stuff is a on a more solid foundation and i think those are the things or at least those are the things that that i look for in games uh or within games or within stretches i guess now, Eloy jimenez last night for triple a charlotte played in his first game in the outfield for the Knights. He had three plate appearances. He walked in all three of them. He hit a homer, his first, uh, I think two nights before that. He had one night off after DHing. He had the off night and then played left field last night. He played six innings and then came out of the game, working back solely. But, you know, checking the boxes, I suppose, it seems to be the most important thing from the White Sox perspective, from Aloy's perspective. He's been texting with Tony LaRussa and letting him know things feel good. At least Tony's let us know that those texts have gone well, so that's a good thing. You know, Eloy returning to be Eloy is, is a huge thing for this offense. It's it's a huge part of how this team is built. So if that guy comes back to being that guy, 
that is a it's more than a big lift. That is potentially a transformative bat for this White Sox one through nine. Another guy that transforms the look of this team is the two-time, the repeat American League reliever of the year, Liam Hendricks. He had a sim game yesterday before the uh, one nothing win over the Giants, and he talked with reporters about how that sim game went and what his expectations are for his return. Good. Yeah, it went well. Um, it was good enough to be active, but the training staff said no, and so I had to throw a sim game instead. Uh, I wanted to be active, unfortunately. No, didn't come to fruition, but sim game was well, went well today. Had to throw five batters because I got the first three out too quickly. So I ended up at 18, 18 pitches. Uh, yes, I have no idea what the metrics or anything like that said, but the ball came out well, and that's all that really matters. And how you feel, that matters too, I suppose, right? Eh, a little bit, I guess. I don't know. No. It, uh, it felt normal for me, which is good. It has for the last little bit, but um, uh, now the plan is to be active on Monday. And, yeah, right in time for that twin series. That's Liam Hendricks in those last words, maybe the most important ones. Plan is to be ready for the series against the Twins starting on July 4th. That's a 7-10 start at Guaranteed Rate Field. You know, Liam's absence um, has been noticed. You know, there's no doubt about it. When you're as good as he is and when you can, you know, potentially pitch in as many games back-to-back as he has, uh, when you can cover four, five outs, you know, at the end of a ball game, that is huge. But what that does, I mean, and you know this too, but putting that dude in the back end of the bullpen allows a guy like Kendall Graveman to go attack higher leverage situations earlier in the game. That allows a guy like Joe Kelly to pitch kind of the way he did last night, throwing the seventh uh, against the bottom portion of that Giants lineup, but still working through it in a scoreless inning regardless. Uh, Tanner Banks pitched the eighth and got around two walks with a really nicely pitched and fielded double play, a 6-4-3 against Darren Ruff, who came in as the pinch hitter. The Giants and Gabe Kapler were looking to avoid the lefty-lefty matchup of Jock Peterson against Tanner Banks. They threw in Darren Ruff. Banks won that confrontation, got the ground ball, walked another one, uh, but struck out Brandon Belt, another lefty-lefty matchup, with with a really good, I mean, the out pitch, that Banks got belt on was a 94-mile-an-hour fastball that just moved all the way from the inside portion of the zone and clipped the outside edge. It was a really brilliantly thrown baseball um, and and one that Banks needed, too, to get out of that inning uh, after walking two. Banks got the win last night, his first big league win, and we've been congratulating him on that because when you do the thing for the first time in the bigs, you get to celebrate it, especially when you are a 30-year-old rookie who's uh, worked as long as he has to make his big league debut. So anyway, you know, I think, you know, in a situation like that, maybe, and and some of it has to do with the lefties that came up, right? Peterson and Belt, Tony, I'm sure, was targeting those lefties uh, for Tanner Banks because of the platoon matchup like we just talked about. But, you know, the, the way it could have worked out, too, is if Liam's available for you, Maybe Graveman is able to throw that inning one way or the other, which any any one of them. It's just more options are better for the White Sox at this point, especially out of the bullpen. And, and Liam certainly gives you more options uh, with the rest of your pitchers. The other thing I wanted to talk about, and I'll set it up here as we kind of um, wrap up the 1 o'clock hour and move into the 2 o'clock hour. We're playing Who Do You Want and Why here in the month of July on White Sox Weekly. It's a very simple game. 
Uh, we're leading up to the trade deadline, and trades are a fun part of baseball. The White Sox are in it. They are in this division, uh, and contenders make moves to improve the ball club. That's just what they do for 150 years of baseball. That's what they've done. So we like to play who do you want and why. You give me a name and a why, and we'll rick out the rest. If you've got more, that's great. But we play who do you want and why. The other thing I want to get into is uh, an interview that concerns the future of baseball. No, nothing, nothing so heady as the future of baseball to talk about here on White Sox Weekly. Don Van Nata Jr., is the interviewer, the the journalist who wrote this long uh, kind of introspective piece on Rob Manfred. I guess it wouldn't be introspective, but it's a kind of life look on, on Rob Manfred. And it, it starts in an interesting way, one that I think um, we as, as a baseball viewing public, a baseball talking public have talked about a lot. It's, you know, does it begins with does the commissioner love baseball? And I I'm less interested in in that perspective, but if you are, you know, we can talk about it. 312-332-3776, that's the number. I'm less interested in that than I am the coming changes to the game. And within this piece, it's long, but recommended reading. You know, if you've got some time, maybe you're on the riding lawnmower, you know, cutting the grass today, something like that. Maybe you uh, have taken the kids to the pool. Maybe you're doing that kind of thing. And while they jump off the high dive, well, I guess you'd have to watch them while they jump off the high dive. Maybe they're in the shallow end and they're hitting each other with pool noodles, something like that. Maybe you're at the lake cruising around on the pontoon boat with a nice little beverage by your side. Take some time. Read this piece. I I think it's a good one. It's on ESPN.com. There's three changes coming to Major League Baseball. And I, it's not set, set. It's not all, it's, it's all done except for the shouting. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of shouting when it concerns these coming rule changes, rules changes to the game. One is the pitch clock. And that's coming, it looks like, next year. And we've talked a lot about the pitch clock here on White Sox Weekly because I, you know, quite frankly, you know, me, Connor, McKnight, I, I, I really like the pitch clock idea. I got turned on to it by Ben Lindbergh, who's been a guest here on the show. Ben does an amazing job covering baseball for The Ringer. He is the co-host of the Effectively Wild podcast uh, with Meg Rowley, who is herself unbelievably good at her job. She's the uh, editor-in-chief of Fangraphs, and the two of them are brilliant, brilliant baseball writers and thinkers. And uh, they've talked a lot about the pitch clock, and I'm kind of an apostle of that movement. When we talk about the pitch clock, I I think it's important to note what could change in this game, not just from a game length perspective, but also from an action perspective. There's a couple of pieces, a couple of little uh, graphs I'd like to read you here from this piece on ESPN.com. And we'll continue talking about it when we come back from the break. And we'll play who you want and why, you know, up until the 2.30 start for the pregame show here. But there's a couple of things, a couple of data points from this piece that I think are worth mentioning. You know, if you're looking around this game and thinking, you know, I don't know how old you are as a baseball fan, as a White Sox fan, but if you're a little bit older than me, you know, if you're into your 40s and into your 50s or or even older, you you saw a game that was very, very different than the one I grew up watching. I grew up watching expansion-era baseball. And for a while there, a couple of new ball clubs had bullpens that had guys in it that might not have been major league quality. And that's the nature of expansion, right? 
That's the nature of adding more players up into the big leagues. Maybe not everybody's going to be big league ready. Maybe they get there, maybe they don't. But I saw a lot. DJ and I talked about this on a broadcast last year. We, I saw a lot of like 12 to 10 games. That's just, it's how I grew up. I mentioned it before already once today, but Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest, that was the game before Ken Griffey Jr. on Nintendo 64. It was the one on Super Nintendo. It was literally named Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest because it was just hitting, it hit home runs, hit as many home runs as you can. And when you strike out, the little digital guy will turn around, look at the camera, and snap the bat over his leg. Like, this was the, this is what I grew up watching. Or maybe better put, what I was told I grew up watching. And I think what we're being told that we're watching right now is a product that takes too long with not enough action in it. And I think to a certain degree that's right, but to a certain degree that also lacks context. It's worth noting that baseball fans, baseball writers, baseball commissioners, baseball players, since the 1900s, have been complaining about baseball taking too long and not having enough action and nearing the death of the game. I'm not joking. In the 1900s, people were writing, the the early 1900s, people were writing about the coming death of baseball because it was boring. It has lasted another 120-some years, but that's not to say that there can't be changes made. So in this piece, when Don Van Nata writes a couple of facts here, Nearly three decades ago, the average Major League Baseball hitter hit 265. Today, the Major League average, the Major League batting average average is 240. The strikeout rate in 1980 was 12.5%. Last year, it was 23.2%. And this season, it's a 22.2%. Theo Epstein, uh, former general manager of the Boston Red Sox, former general manager of the Chicago Cubs, winning World Series in both cities and snapping streaks that lasted uh, nearly 100 years in both places, well, 100 years in one and almost 100 in the other. Uh, He is kind of the czar of potential change in Major League Baseball. He works for the league now. I I think you you likely know it, living in this town and and having been, obviously, White Sox fans. and Theo, great, good job. Uh, But still, the guy is a a brilliant baseball mind and and well-connected to the the league. Theo Epstein says that through the first half of 2021, the strikeout rate was higher than it was during the careers of Nolan Ryan and Roger Clemens. The quote from Epstein, and it says, it shouldn't be scandalous to try to recreate the equilibrium that we all became accustomed to when we fell in love with the game. And that's where I kind of quibble with Theo, I guess. Because like I was talking about, I grew up in a different place, right? I grew up in a different era of baseball. And so did you, and so did Theo, and so did Charlie. And I'm just picking on, I'm not picking on Charlie, but Charlie's like 12 years younger than I am. So he grew up in a very different era where strikeouts were like, yeah, there's a ton of them. There's a lot of strikeouts. Like, look at Pedro Martinez. How do you not strike out against that guy? So I I think when we talk about what's coming for baseball, how this game is going to change, I think it's worth talking about the context around it, too. We'll keep talking about this, about what this pitch clock is going to be, how it's going to change this game. Uh, We'll talk about, you know, who you want and why for the White Sox. We'll get you set for the pregame show coming up at 2.30, White Sox and Giants coming up at 3.05. We'll do all of that after a commercial break and a quick pause. Ten seconds here for Station ID. Welcome back. It's White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. 
pregame show coming up in less than half an hour. That starts at 2.30. It is a 3.05 first pitch for the White Sox and Giants. Dylan Cease goes for the Sox, and it's Logan Webb for the Giants. Cease has a 2.56 ERA and the best strikeout per nine number in baseball, 13.44 for uh, qualified starters, I should say. Should be a good one. Gosh, it's been so fun to watch Dylan Cease really Really just evolve and grow into the stuff that he's got. He's been terrific. He's got the mustache and everything. So you've got the mustache Twitter poll question uh, that we will tweet out in just a bit. We've got to get our nominees all set, and then we'll tweet that. You can follow us at ESPN White Sox. That's how you can uh, respond to the Twitter poll questions and get in on our gateway to the booth with Ask Len and Ask DJ. It's an Ask uh, DJ day today. So get on Twitter and ask your question to Darren Jackson. He'll answer that question in the bottom of the sixth. Also, Sox fans. You can join us on Friday, July 29th for Sox Crawl, presented by Vizzy. Purchase this ticket package for an exclusive entry to a pregame crawl. Love a good crawl. Beginning at 3.30 p.m. before the White Sox take on the Athletics at 7.10. Enjoy food and drink specials, play games, win prizes, and more. Tickets are on sale now. Get yours at whitesox.com slash crawl. I want to get back into this piece on ESPN.com. Uh, it was a long interview with Rob Manfred about the coming changes to baseball. We'll do that in just a bit. We are also playing Who Do You Want and Why here on the show all month. Leading up to the trade deadline on White Sox Weekly, we're asking who do you want and why? Contenders add players to help them continue to contend, I guess. It's a complicated sentence. Uh, but they do that. They have for a lot of years in Major League Baseball, and the White Sox are in it in the American League Central. Farther out of it than they'd like to be, but certainly in it. I would imagine that they try and make a push if they can. So we're asking White Sox fans in kind of a a fun and somewhat different way. Who do you want and why? That's all we need to know. We'll handle the rest of it. Out in Hinsdale, it's Andrew, and you're on White Sox Weekly. What's up, Andrew? Hey, Connor. How you doing? Doing well, man. Good. So I was going about a realistic opportunity. I feel Brennan Jury with a half year of control left is a realistic option for us, and he's got 16 home runs, hitting 270 with a 330 OVP. So... He'll definitely bring in some slugging percentage for us. Andrew, knocked it out of the park, my man. That's how you play. Who do you want and why? Well done. (laughs) Thank you, Connor. You got it, man. You got it. Brandon Drury is an interesting name. Third, second, and a little bit of outfield for Drury. He's 29 years old, taken in the 13th round of the 2010 Amateur draft, kind of doing my play-by-play thing right now, where you give you the, you know the whole the whole scouting report. Should I do the height and weight too? I love that it's a tradition in like in Major League Baseball play-by-play to give kind of the height and weight of the batter on radio. I love that. Six What's two, his ninety? Six two two thirty. His ninety. How fast does he get down first? Oh well, see that's on the baseball that's on the baseball savant page, Charlie. Now you're making me go to a completely different website. And I hate doing that because sometimes the Wi-Fi is not good in visiting ballparks. I won't name them, but sometimes it's tough. You find me as 90, Charlie. Brandon Shane Drury. And I, you know what? Interestingly enough, and I, I, I never, I don't do the whole, hey, listen to my fantasy baseball roster kind of thing. But I was, my brother and I co-run a fantasy baseball team, and we were looking for infielders just the other day because I think we had like you know just seven injuries to different guys. We had Tim Anderson on the team too, so we were looking for guys. And I was like, Brandon Drury is having one hell of a year. 271, like Andrew said, 331 on base, 526 slugging percentage. He's a good little player. Is Brandon Drury. Came up with the Diamondbacks, a little time with the Yankees, the Blue Jays, Mets last year. Not a whole lot. Cup of coffee. 
eh, maybe two 51 games played. I think that's a full cup of coffee and then some. Charlie, did you find his 90 time? I did not. Oh, you got to come correct. You got you can't you can't challenge and then not come with I know, it. I'm so, <laughs> Charlie. I did uh I did have a question though. I was curious what your thoughts are. All right. So like given where they're where the Sox are at injury wise and then they have this hugely important schedule coming up, do you think by the time we get to the deadline they'll have an accurate assessment of what they even need, like oh, to I, fill holes. Yeah, I, I think I think they will at that point. I, I think it's a good question too, Charlie, and you can rack that up for the boys on the Black and Abdallah show. That's a freebie for you. Although I do listen, I'm not done. I'm not done razzing because that's what baseball is about. I find it funny that Charlie's like ready to break in, but challenges me with the ninety time for Brandon Drury and then doesn't have it. That's it's worth worth noting. The I. I think you have to know. I think that's the short answer to it, right? You the tr- the trade deadline is the deadline. You don't get to remember. You used to make be able to make roster moves or uh, not roster moves, waiver moves after the trade deadline. That no longer happens. You don't get to do that anymore. You make this the the deadline is it. That is it, and that is all. And the only moves you can make after that are are, are minor league trades and guys that aren't eligible for your playoff push. Trade deadline is August 2nd this year, remember, at 6 p.m., 5 p.m. Central Time. Everybody gives you the Eastern Time. Why would I give you that? It's 5 p.m. Central, August 2nd. So I think by that point, the White Sox will not only have played, you know, these three against the Twins and four against the Tigers and four against the Guardians, then four more against the Twins. Then after the All-Star break, they're at home for another four-game series against Cleveland with a double header stuck on Saturday. Uh, and then they're, uh, you know, they get the Rockies and the Oakland A's to wrap up the month of July. This is a hugely important month for the White Sox because of who is on the schedule. And it is also a hugely important month for the White Sox because not only should you get Liam Hendricks back on the 4th on Monday, and that is the expectation in case you're just tuning in, Liam's going to be back on Monday. But Eloy Jimenez should be back at some point, maybe even uh, likely before the All-Star break. I believe his minor league rehab time would expire before that All-Star break hits. You may also get Yasmani Grandal at least starting a rehab assignment. Those are big gets for the White Sox. And there, there could be more. Contenders add. I think, too, you know, the other thing to think about here is bullpens are bullpens, right? And, and, and while the White Sox have... Uh, Joe Kelly, and Kendall Graveman, and Liam Hendricks coming back into the fold. L- Liam got hurt this year. Um, so the hope is that he'll be just fine, but an insurance policy isn't a terrible idea. Aaron Bummer is still laid up with the lat injury. And it is a lat injury, not a shoulder injury, but it is where the lat comes together with the shoulder. So the White Sox are being very cautious with that. That means your lefty depth, your lefty depth, pardon uh, does not include Aaron Bummer. And the White Sox lost Garrett Crochet to Tommy John surgery in spring training. So at the very least, you know, if you're, if you're still, if the White Sox as a, as a front office are still kind of sorting out their position options. Oh, by the way, just speaking of it, because I, I, second base has kind of been a thing for a little while. Lenin Sosa has played two really good day, games at AAA Charlotte. He had uh, came, called up from AA. He was two for four. Uh, three for five, rather, in his first AAA game, and two for four in his second with two doubles 
for Lenin Sosa. Uh, he has been an interesting guy to watch, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's back up with the White Sox at some point this season helping them out. So that's that's worth noting as well. And I'll give you a, a fun minor league performance, too, on uh, Colson Montgomery, last year's first-round pick of the White Sox in our final segment of the day. I, I do want to dig back into the, the, the Rob Manfred. I almost called it the Manfred Man piece. It's the Rob Manfred piece. The Manfred Man is it's a band that a, did a good cover of a Bruce Springsteen song, I think. And then it's also the guy at second base in, in the extra innings. I call him the zombie runner because it's a, it's a runner that's literally brought back from having been retired. He's put out there on second base. He exists. I just I don't like when we call it the ghost runner. I, among others, I am not a fan of the ghost runner. It's a zombie runner. 312-332-3776. As always, White Sox Weekly is your show as much as it is anyone else's. In Schaumburg, it's Dale calling White Sox Weekly. What's up, Dale? Hey, I'm just calling about the leg. Everyone has tired legs. Yeah. And, but they didn't seem to have tired legs back when Herm Schneider was, was there. Well, Herm's still there. I actually just saw Herm the other day. Uh, okay. I he Well, he's not the trainer. No, the no, trainer he's anymore. no, no, he's not. So I, what can the Sox do about it? I think they're doing everything they can, Dale. I, I promise you that. I, I appreciate the phone call. Um, and I'll tell you what I guess I, I probably should have told Mark Silverman, Sylvie, the other day on our flagship station. I, I get, I understand the question. Um, I truly do. I didn't go to school to learn. I don't, I, don't, I don't have those degrees. I don't know. I barely know how legs work. I'm an idiot. Played softball for the first time in two years on Thursday. I barely stretched before. I knew I should have. And then I went out and played, and my legs are killing me. I don't, I don't know. I know that the White Sox, I can tell you this. The White Sox changed their strength and conditioning staff, and the, and the head, training, uh, head strength and conditioning coach uh, was changed out leading into this last offseason. Then the lockout hit. Teams were not allowed to converse with their players for 99 days. No contact allowed. And then we came back to playing baseball or at least starting up a very abbreviated spring training. It's my personal opinion, and it's informed by some conversations with, with guys in this game, with, with players and with coaching staff and stuff. I don't know that we, like all of, and I'm not saying any particular injury the White Sox either have suffered or are dealing with or anything is influenced by this, but maybe it is. I get the sense that we're not even done with some of the fallout of the 2020 season, injury-wise. The, the start and stop of spring training, the layoff due to COVID, the start of summer camp, and then a 60-game season, then 2021 being what it was, then the, the lockout in 99, of 99 games, I think we are still dealing with all of those effects. And also, more stuff, extra stuff, regular baseball stuff. So I think the, I think the answer to that question is even more complicated than the best and finest strength and conditioning practices, which I I know that every Major League Baseball team does its damnedest to go acquire because it is so important. You know, games lost due to injury can quite frankly lose divisions for teams, right? It's it's very hard to replace your best players um, for any good length of time. It, It truly can be one of the more difficult things about this sport because we play so many games. 312-332-3776. 312-332-3776. Appreciate the phone call. Appreciate the question. I, I'm sorry that I don't have a better answer for it. 
if I did, I, I would be doing something different. You know, I, I would be in that field. I would be a, a I would be a doctor. And I'll be honest, if we're living in a reality where Connor McKnight is a doctor, we I don't that whew, that's a tough reality, man. I don't think we want to live in that one. I think we should be glad we're in this one instead. We got a little bit more to go here on White Sox Weekly. I want to dig back into the pitch clock and what it's going to mean for baseball. These changes are coming, and so is one more giant change to baseball, it sounds like. Maybe not next year, but in 2024, this whole thing's going to look a lot different. I'll tell you how and why when we come back. It's White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Join us for Family Sundays Guaranteed Rate Field with tickets starting at 10 bucks and parking for only 15 Bring your family out to the ballpark for a day full of fun. Family Sundays are proudly presented by Coca-Cola. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Sundays to purchase your tickets today. I'm Connor McKnight. You're listening to White Sox Weekly. We've got the pregame show coming up at 2.30. Um, Going to take a quick break in just a moment reset things. Uh, I do want to mention one or two things before we do step aside for just a brief moment. The Guardians and Yankees are underway in the first game of their doubleheader. We're keeping an eye on those two ball clubs, or rather on two other ball clubs, the Cleveland Guardians and Minnesota Twins, of course. White Sox are 36 and 39 with the last with the win last night, one nothing over the Giants. Leori Garcia with a big hit to win it. Leori is in the lineup again today, hitting eight and playing second base. Uh, it's Anderson, Vaughn, Robert, Abreu, Sheets, Moncada, Pollock, Garcia, and Zavala. You're one through nine for the Sox today against Logan Webb and the Giants. Uh, anyway, Yankees are up 11 to four on Cleveland in the bottom of the eighth. But Cleveland, who has just really come back in a lot of different ballgames, Josh Naylor had another huge comeback walk-off winner just the other, just earlier this week. Uh, they've got the bases loaded with two away in the bottom of the eighth. The Twins have just gotten started in Minnesota at Target Field against the Orioles. They were in a delay for a little while. No score, top one. Twins are five and a half games up in the division on the White Sox. And then the uh, Guardians are a game and a half behind the Twins. Also worth noting, out in San Francisco, it is just a, it's just a classic San Francisco day. It is gloomy. It is gray it is kind of cold out there we saw between the two teams last night just a couple of hits six for the Sox and three for the Giants so it could be another one of those names especially with Cease and Webb on the mound Uh, we'll come back with a little bit more White Sox weekly in just a moment it's the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network Wrapping it up here on White Sox Weekly. Pre-game show starts in just a couple of minutes. I'm Connor McKnight. We had Josh Harrison on the show earlier today. Gosh, that was a fun interview with Josh. He's been hitting really well in the month of June. Sounds like he's coming around, too, from being hit by a pitch the other night. Got hit in the back right elbow, and that caused a lot of swelling and stuff. Sounds like he's doing a lot better. At least that's what he said. You'll hear from Josh again. In case you missed it, on the pre-game show in just a little bit, or... If you wanted to download the entire show and listen to it on your at your leisure, you can just go download the ESPN Chicago app. All of our White Sox weekly shows are right there for you. You get all the interviews, all the chit chat, all the news and notes, all the stuff you need uh, to make sure you're up to date on the White Sox. And you'll hear all of the uh, promotion offers that are coming up, too. So if you're like, oh, man, what, what is Family Sundays? What are the deals there? Ten dollars for parking and 15 bucks on that whole thing. Tickets for 10 bucks and parking for 15. 
you know, you would you would know that. You could just go download the show and, and get yourself back up to date. That's the ESPN Chicago app. It's a terrific app. It plays the radio. So uh, one more thing that I wanted to do before we we're coming up to the end of it. I guess we should just kind of give the thank yous and hop out. But it, it does sound like the pitch clock is coming next season for Major League Baseball. And in 2024, we will have automatic balls and strikes called by some system uh, probably the one that's working right now in AAA Charlotte. We've talked a lot with guys here on the show about that, what that looks like now and what it's going to look like in the future. Big thanks to Josh Harrison. Thanks to Charlie and to Justin as well. Pre-game show's coming up. Don't go anywhere. White Sox baseball is next on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network.